We're going to go on down there. We're going to take Nick Saban. We're going to crush him up into a tiny little ball. We're going to throw him into the ball. We're going to throw him into the pot. We're going to boil him up. We're going to eat Nick Saban like a stew. Ladies and gentlemen, two fighters enter. One fighter leaves the What is up, everybody? My name is Julian Fadulian. Welcome back to the Grudge Match Podcast. This is episode seven. You will notice that my esteemed co-host, Sammy Locasano, is not with us today. He is currently in Mexico taking time to draft his argument for LeBron versus Jordan round two. Today, I am instead accompanied by a guest wingman, the esteemed Clayton Crowley, fellow sports enthusiast and the auteur of the acclaimed YouTube video series Making the Case, an argument for eight different players that have a legitimate claim at being the greatest of all time. Clayton, great to have you, man. Go ahead, say hello to the people. Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's really cool to be here. Um, it's you know, it's wonderful to be able to talk about sports. You reaching out was really cool because it's always great to hear from people who enjoy the stuff I've made. But yeah, if I made a series called Making the Case, where I took eight NBA players and I argued for each of them as the greatest of all time, kind of like with bias towards each of them. So, you know, it was a really fun thing to do. It seemed like it did pretty well and uh you know, for a first series, uh, it did pretty well. No, you know, it was a brilliant idea. Um, so the way that Grudge Match works, it's essentially a debate series. So I'm excited to be able to talk uh, basketball with someone that can actually take my opinions. Um, I'm looking at you, Sammy. <laughs> um, Swingman Sammy has had some wild takes, so I'm interested to see how this goes. Is Sammy a Boston fan? Because when you were talking <laughs> about LeBron in your last episode... He seemed very upset about it. Are you? Is is he a Celtics? He is fan? a gigantic Celtics fan um, to the point okay, where you know he really loved the 08 Celtics. Um, of, course. of course, you okay. know he he he's one of those people that yeah. had the whole conspiracy theory about Delonte West in 2008. Did he be, does he believe that Paul Pierce pooped his pants? You know what? Uh, I like, really do has, think that he is a Paul Pierce <laughs> wheelchair truther. Uh, <laughs> that could be an undercard, maybe. I think that'd future. be a great undercard. You know, we we had a whole thing about <laughs> NBA conspiracy theories. I'm surprised he didn't pick that. Um, <laughs> yeah right i bring and, and literally everything Boston. he's not even from boston he's one of those boston fans hey, rhode island new hampshire whatever it is and he's just like oh boston no Celtics, not even yeah. that man he's from atlanta um oh and he gosh. spent an entire <laughs> episode talking about uh like essentially crapping on the falcons and um the braves uh, oh um God. so i don't know where he's coming from he's gonna be really upset at this intro by the way <laughs> well, he's not here to defend himself. No, it'll be so fine. You can it's get fine. everything off your chest. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's that's all that this is gonna be. Um, so yeah, thank you, uh, Clayton, for uh, coming on. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and get started with our first uh, grudge match, our first undercard, which is what sport would be the most interesting in the Cars universe. Um, I, when I pitched the the format of the show to Clayton. You actually uh, came up with a lot of these, um, and they're really good topics. And thank you. Uh, I, I want you to go ahead. Uh, you know, I'll be a gentleman. Uh, guests mm -hmm. first. Uh, go go ahead. What, what what's your pitch for uh, a sports in the car universe? And why did you pick this topic? I, I liked your pitch. That's a one. That's an excellent question. And uh, thank you for giving me the floor. You are a gentleman. Um, the I wanted to pick it because I was just I don't know what made me think of it, but. 
I know that in the Cars universe, Bob Costas plays a car who's like calling the Piston Cup series. And so I looked him up, and on the official Cars wiki, from the Blu-ray guide, it says Bob Costas' character is called Bob Cutlass. And it says that Bob Cutlass is a world-renowned sports announcer. He's covered every sporting event from tractor pulls to monster truck rallies, including <laughs> the last three Olympic Games. But he's most famous for, you know, the Racing Cup Net or the Piston sure, Cup sure, Series sure. and all that stuff. So that makes me believe that it has an Olympics. Yeah, yeah. That means that there are Olympic sports. It's not all just car racing in the Cars cinematic Well, universe. I was going to say, like, too, this uh, essentially what Cars is pitching is that the only sport in that universe right now is their version of track and field. Yeah, right. It's just like, you know, uh, an ultra marathon where guys are just running and running yeah. for like miles and I miles. I respected the guys that ran cross country, but, you know, obviously that's not <laughs> yeah. in the top three of sports in our world. So, yeah, no, I love this pitch. It's fantastic. Well, thank you. So uh, my first uh, my first idea, and maybe it's because the World Series is going on, but my idea was baseball. What would Cars baseball look like? So there are so many questions that have so many big implications. You've got, how do they throw? Do they just back up on the mound and spin a tire and just shoot it at home plate? How do you catch? Do they drive around in the outfield, pop the trunk, and just hope it lands in the trunk? <laughs> the biggest question, how do they hit? If it's going towards home plate, how do you hit it? Does a car just sit behind home plate and drive full speed and try to bounce it off of like the car's equivalent of its forehead and send it over the stands? That sounds ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> What's a bench-clearing brawl look like? You've got, I mean, and, and what kind of cars are out there? You could have, like, six pickup trucks and a Porsche and, like, a, a, a Vespa or yeah, something. Yeah, so, like, who, <laughs> like, who's the Roger Clemens car? Yeah, right. Like, when you have a bench-clearing brawl, is it basically just a demolition derby of cars just crashing into each other and blowing up and, like, knocking each other onto their backs? So... So I think that's a big implication. What cars? What what cars do each position play? Is the Vespa like the old the first base coach, where he's just like waving cars down and sending them around to second? Or like who's the manager of the, the team? Like 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 what do they look <laughs> yeah, like? Right. Is it just like a Model T out there? Uh, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and they kind of like enforce the old rules, sure, sure. and they get mad at all like yeah, at all like the 2020 Chevy Silverados yeah, 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 and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. Um, like so. <laughs> This actually feeds into my uh, counter, so I'm going to be fighting you with, uh, this might just be like a sadist in me, um, and this brings <laughs> in, like, into mind a lot of the uh, very uncomfortable questions we need to ask about football, oh, um, I'm ready. because Here that's my pitch. I am nice, wondering nice. what Cars football would look like. Uh -huh. um, same questions as, as, as yours, like, what, what would different Cars look like? Would an entire offensive line just be Hummers? <laughs> yeah, right. And would um, maybe uh, uh, what what's the um, what, what what would a Tesla look like in this universe? Ooh, you know, yeah. like if, I think the, tes the Tesla would be like, have to be like a running back or something, maybe like a, a safety, something, or something like that, something right? But like that fast, would be like all day intense. Yeah, yeah, but then they'd spend the entire like time on the sideline just like recharging at like a port instead of like yeah on the like train zeke elliott just like doing sure uh, sure salts and stuff just exactly like just getting amped up, up right like what would a ray yeah. lewis car look like after a few hits oh um, yeah oh yeah uh, i could be really morbid i'm a giants fan and the season hasn't been going well for us so i'll take any shot that i can um what would it okay. what would a dak prescott car look like after this oh, past gosh. weekend yeah what would a car injury yeah look like? you know what i mean um and so, like, what would hits look like? Just explosions everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm imagining the scene. <laughs> um, 
in the beginning of Cars 3 or like in Talladega Nights where you're just flipping everywhere, what would uh, a really bad hit look like? I, the point of a Cars yeah. football thing, I'm taking the, um, the premise of why someone that's not a NASCAR fan watch a NASCAR race and, you know, not mm-hmm. to be morbid, but it's to watch crashes and epic stuff happen, right. right? And I'm just going full Michael Bay with it. Hey, you got to... That's true. You know? Um, <laughs> that's a good the, point. The only thing that I would say that I would be really fascinated to watch um, would be how would a car swinging a bat look like, right? Uh, right. And uh, as for your pitching question... I always just pictured like the ball coming out of the exhaust pipe. <laughs> That's a good like, idea. Like, like just revving. Yeah, about you know, yeah. just turning around. Everyone's like, "What the hell is going on?" Okay, well, I like that because I like that because now you've got like pickup trucks are all of a sudden at a very high premium uh, yeah. in this car's universe because they get the big old muffler mm-hmm. on it and they just mm-hmm. like can rev it up, mm-hmm. rev it up, rev it up, and then boom, exactly shoot it at home plate. So then I'm thinking if that happens. So now, the, like, a person can pitch a baseball, whatever, 90 miles an sure. hour, maybe 100. Sure. I'm thinking if a car, if it's coming out of an exhaust pipe on a car, that thing's traveling 150, let's just hey, say. Yeah, for sure. Like, So now, if you're the car hitting it, <laughs> again, I think you just have to drive into it and hit it with, like, the car equivalent of a forehead, which is, like, the front windshield. At that point, though... That's going to do some damage. Is it just kickball? It's just <laughs> yeah, kickball, kinda. right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> like yeah, that's just, like much. that's just kickball, um, and then like yeah, there's no base, there's no bat in that in that. You universe. know what I mean? I think it is just so. Yep, if we're gonna yep. have collisions, and this might just this might just be like my old timey like, uh, it's fine if they get CTE. This is probably gonna get the <laughs> their cars. Yeah, their yeah, cars. their cars. It's gonna be fine. Um, <laughs> you just take them to the dealership and you'll be fine. This is probably like a really really dicey subject if we take this to its logical conclusion. <laughs> Um, this yeah. is definitely earning some sort of tag on Spotify. I don't know how that works. Um, but I will say, by yeah. the way, the only, the, the most exciting thing I think about a car's baseball mm-hmm. game is the idea of tagging another car out because you've got, or stealing bases. The car is driving 200 <laughs> miles an hour towards second base. And then if a guy, if the car, if the second <laughs> base car gets the ball, it basically just has to head on collide with the other car stealing the base. It just basically becomes the, it's not boxing. It's not a fight, but it's just two things hitting the hell out of each other and crushing each other. I love that. So what happens with, uh, with like the umpires? Ooh, that's a good point. Like, like, what do you do? That's a good point. Um, you'd have to have relief umpires like you do with pitchers. Yeah, you would. You would, because they would probably get into a couple fights. Like when the manager comes out to get face to face and kick dirt on the umpire, yeah. Now there's a lot more danger in that because now they're just going to start crashing into each other and you can eject him, but he's just going to beat the hell out of you. You know what I will say? I think there is ironically a whole lot more uh, potential for off the field danger in cars baseball than it is with cars football. Um, cars football. <laughs> I think most of car sports, it seems like there's a lot of danger. I think so too. Um, I kind of regret, like, I'm thinking of how like, uh, like a low rider would work. Or like a monster truck would oh, work as I like just, an outfielder. Yeah. And it, oh my right? gosh, a monster truck going around and just like smacking balls yeah, back man. into the infield and stuff. How would you get like a? How would you get like a? 
You could get a car. I'm thinking about like a car jumping off the wall to steal a home run if it just drives full force at the wall and just banks off of it and like catches the ball however cars catch it. I think it. you'd have to make like some sort of ramp to avoid some sort of like Jeffrey Meyer situation, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. I think you would you'd have to put a wall in the outfield for the cars to just take yeah, off. Yeah, man. Um I this this makes me like kind of regret not taking uh cars basketball. Um yeah, seeing yeah. how like a LeBron car would work, like kind of like uh Yeah, you get some suspension on it, it gets bounced. Yeah, you could do some modifying cuz cars you can modify. Yeah. So you could it'd be like like the steroids of baseball. Would would that be the modifications of a car where like you have to look at a car's suspension and see if he's got like boosted hydraulics? Yeah. Otherwise, he never could have like, made that Like, would there catch. be, like, an A-Rod car that's just, like, tricked out with, like, a huge, like, engine, <laughs> yeah. like, in, like yeah. under its hood? And everybody's like, okay, yeah, we get it. He's really good. Yeah. But cl- look at the guy. Look at him. He clearly cheated. We <laughs> like, all like, like, I'm picturing, like, you know how, like, Barry Bonds, his arms just were just, like, ripping through his sleeves, oh, right? Python. If you just yeah. have, like, a car with, like, the hood, and you can clearly see the outline <laughs> of a lot of cars, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's like a VW bug, like, yeah. <laughs> mo- like base, and it's just tanked out to hell. Yeah. And you're like, that that's not normal. You shouldn't be that big. <laughs> like, it looks like a Hot Wheels, like, from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that. I also thought about uh, one of the other things I was considering was cars hockey. Just for the mental picture of seeing, like, actual high-performance cars on ice, skating around, sliding around, trying to hit a puck. A, a puck the size of, like, you know, a puck. Into a net. I just like the idea of cars skating around on ice. What role does a Zamboni play in cars hockey? That's true. I guess, yeah, the Zamboni is a real person. Is, like, I guess a person, a living thing now. Yeah. I think you would treat the Zamboni like a mascot, right? Where every arena has, like, their own Zamboni who, like, has his own fancy, like, halftime. Or not halftime, but, like, intermission <laughs> uh, show where, like, he goes out and he clears off all the ice. But he has some stuff where, like, I don't know. He has, like, he a t-shirt cannon, bl- like, at the same time. <laughs> yeah, he's got a t-shirt cannon. He can, like, blow smoke rings out of his uh, his. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, they have yeah, chimney yeah. stacks. Yeah, I don't no, know. that'd be great. Um, stuff like that just the zamboni becomes uh the mascot of the team i think that'd be great i think like th- this is uh this is a great i'm i'm honestly having a little bit of a sidetrack problem right now i'm trying to think of because uh, now you brought up um what what, what was bob costas's car name uh like bob cutlass or something like that i'm thinking now because it's football like cars football versus cars baseball right yeah. And I'm thinking what like Joe Buck's equivalent. Uh we'll call him uh Joe Truck. <laughs> if he's not <laughs> if, he's, like, if he's not paying attention to Cars NFL and he's like also yeah. commenting half asleep, he's like, and he'll catch it and he goes all the Oh my god, home run. <laughs> home run and he he's hits like, the umpire. At, yeah. Yeah. Um look at the headlights on that shit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Jesus, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Like if he's commenting on like, I don't know, uh WWE or like just being kind yeah. of gross, like what kind of uh, Ooh, effect? That would WWE be? cars, that would be good. Yeah, like see the question. I mean, it's I know that the, it's between baseball and football right now, but really the implication of other sports in the cars universe is just too good of like. There's just too much to. This talk might about. just be like a poll, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we're just like, hey, yeah. what? It's we not think? necessarily one on one. It's just like, what do you think? There's so like, much to think. I know that we think that we we came up with the best ideas, but like, what would like pole vaulting look like? Oh my gosh! Can you, yeah, a pole vaulting accident with a car, like a like two thousand pound car going up over a pole and just crashing onto the ground. Like what? That wouldn't be very like. Good. What would the story be on like car rehab, like of Lightning McQueen? <laughs> 
like came back. There'd be a lot of really, in, yeah, there'd be a lot of really inspiring E60 car uh, documentaries about cars who like broke. They had their uh, right front wheel misaligned, and they yeah. had to really fight to bring it back and like get back on track. Exactly. Literally, that could. Oh my gosh, that's the name of one of the morning talk if shows. We can get this back on track. We can get this episode sponsored by like Vin Diesel's estate. Let's have a comment on uh, Jay Leno. Jay Leno. Oh my God, that'd be great. Um, no, he, he's going to kick me off as the host and like keep me off. He's going to kick the podcast <laughs> to like the wrong time slot or something. Um, yeah. Um, but if we could get like, I don't know. Um, yeah, just like a 30 for 30 series. Um, yeah, because now, well, so, I mean, what would the, I mean, this is also, this leads into another discussion, sure. but like, and I don't know anything about cars i'll you know full disclosure i know nothing <laughs> Same, about cars it's fine i everything i know about cars i know from the cars cinematic yeah. universe no absolutely um what car like what the athlete equivalent of cars would be what would you know would other cars be trying to hurt those cars would fans like have an affinity for different car athletes because of like their uh make would there be like chevy cars and all the fans love shit like nascar oh, kind of you know how like you know how there's like oh I guess it would be like sports brands yeah like shoe deals no, or or yeah like you'd have like a random car and he's sponsored by Ferrari but he only plays soccer yeah. and looks down on mm. like cars football and then yeah, whereas like right. cars football even the most like athletic guy is probably like a Corvette or a Cobra yeah and he looks <laughs> yeah, at the Ferrari right. he looks at the Ferraris like I'm coming for you next like that kind of thing yeah there's a whole rivalry and then eventually like yeah and you can have like a Toyota Camry. <laughs> who is like the undrafted free yes! agent who is never supposed to yes! be anything. And he makes it all the way to the big leagues. He gets a starting oh my spot. God. And now he's playing in like the Cars Super Bowl or the Cars World Series. He brings home the, the trophy. It's the best documentary of all time, starring a Toyota Camry. I feel like this is, co- this is like coming awfully close to insulting David Tyree for me. Um, okay. David Tyree and his helmet catch. Because I'm picturing him, <laughs> I'm picturing David Tyree as like a Prius like the equivalent and he never plays again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. A Prius that just has a giant moment in like yeah. a herd of Lamborghinis. Yeah. And then he's just like, I think we won the game. It's like, yeah, we did. Good job. Prius. I will never hear from him again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like, I, I want to know what that would be like, you know, j- just like an Isaiah Thomas, uh, Ooh, like an yeah. Isaiah Thomas. What, 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 what's a good, never heard of car. that would be like one of those like two door tiny little box cars that can that must weigh like 40 pounds no, that's your vespa they, <laughs> yeah that's, a that's vespa. your vespa isaiah thomas is <laughs> isaiah thomas is a vespa that's dropping like 50 points in yep. like buzzer beaters yep. in the fourth quarter he's, he's a vespa dropping like teardroppers over like uh like monster trucks yeah, yeah exactly. i think that's fantastic i think that's yeah. right i think that's right <laughs> All right, we're, we're, we're going to leave this up to the listeners. Normally, the, this is going to be like, uh, who do you think like outplayed who? Who do you think out-argued who? But at this point, uh, for all of our 50 listeners out there, um, we've named like 50 other sports other than football and baseball that would work in the Cars <laughs> universe. Comment, tell us what your uh, most interesting car uh, sports would be and what announcer would be the best um outside of bob cutlass right outside of bob Bob cutlass Cutlass and joe truck i think that's a great (laughs) they'd be great in the booth together (laughs) getting into undercard number two uh i think it's safe to say uh you're a big football fan right 
Clayton. I'm a big football fan at both levels. Really? Yeah, I like the uh, New Orleans Saints. It's kind of my bandwagon okay. team. I had family grow up there. I grew up in Kansas, so when you grow up in the middle of nowhere, you kind of have to pick a bandwagon. I know people are going to say the Chiefs, but it just didn't happen. So the Saints have been my team, and then college football, the Clemson Tigers. I uh, graduated from Clemson last year? Two years? Last year. Congratulations, so. man. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much. Thank Congratulations. You. Um, so real quick, I, I want to get this out of the way. Um, kudos to you for not bandwagoning onto the Chiefs, A. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they were awful the whole time I was growing true. up. And the Saints, I mean, really, we bandwagoned onto the Saints in, like, 2007 or That's 8. That's fine. And then they won the Super Bowl. It was great. And then they were awful, absolutely awful. Worst defense in the league. So I feel like I out, I earned my stripes by sticking with them while they had the worst defenses in NFL You know, history, honestly, so. you stuck with them through, like, the, the bounty gate and everything, too, you know? Oh, yeah, bounty gate, uh, you know. Who was the which one was the fat Ryan brother? Not Rex Ryan. Rob oh, Ryan? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob Ryan. Rob Ryan. <laughs> His uh, it was just awful. I hated those teams. It was so frustrating to watch, but I stuck with them. I feel I do feel like I earned my stripes. I'm no longer bandwagon fan. Sure. And then we lost in the playoffs in heartbreaking fashion, like four years ago. You know what? Row, so are you one of those are you one of those cool. people that like are complaining about the refs? A hundred percent. I hate the Rams more than any other football team that has ever played football. To this day, I hate them more than any of the division rivals, more than the Falcons, more than the Panthers. I wish nothing but ill will towards the Los Angeles Rams and everyone associated. You know with what? Them. If you uh, uh, come on, to, if, if you're willing to come guess again, I'll gift you with an Aaron Donald jersey or something like that. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get it from who, who, what are all the sports podcasters getting sponsored by pristine auction? If I can get a cheap, yeah. if I can get a sponsorship from pristine auction here, um, I'll get this man, Clayton Crowley, um, assigned Aaron Donald Jersey or like s- some, some sort of backup, maybe like, uh, maybe like a Malcolm Brown, like someone that's really, really like no one cares about. I want your show to succeed. So I'm not going to protest you asking to get me an Aaron Donald Jersey, but <laughs> I don't like the idea. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. That's like that. That, that <laughs> I, I have my own teams that I would never ever want to um, own a jersey. That's fine. It's yeah, completely fine. Yeah. Um, but so, getting into uh, football, you're obviously a big college football guy. I think anyone that Correct. like went to school like in the SEC plus yeah. Clemson um, yeah. is, and as a college football fan that's not a fan of Bama, mm-hmm. you hate Nick Saban. That is a fact. That is correct. Um, That's a very accurate statement. Even as, like, you know, I don't necessarily follow college football. Um, I don't know if you're aware of James Madison University. Uh, we're a tournament team. We're, one, we're, like, we make a lot of big waves um, Yeah. Uh, on the tournament scene. Um, but uh-huh. even as a secondary uh, college football fan, I hate Nick Saban. As, <laughs> I think everybody does, like, honestly. Yes. I think everybody that's not an Alabama fan hates Nick um, Saban. And honestly, I'm a Polynesian. Every Polynesian has to like Tua. I'm a Filipino. Yep. Every Filipino kind of okay. has to like the Warriors at some point. I got and you. As a fan of Tua, I still hate Nick Saban. I don't know how you couldn't. I mean, <laughs> literally, he is the least likable person that has ever that has ever lived that hasn't like committed a crime like Genuinely. he has no sense of humor no self-awareness he's angry all the time there's not a redeeming or likable quality about him other than he is the greatest college football coach of all time um and i think part of that you know feeds into uh this next fight not part of it the entire thing this is very sadistic <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. so uh our 50 listeners are our, our faithful uh small few that have stuck with us through episode one 
you guys remember Ron Artest and Dennis Rodman uh, in a UFC style uh, fight. Who would win? And this will be the same thing. Uh, which college coach could best take Nick Saban in a fight? Um, except it's not UFC, it's prison rules. Yes, prison rules. Um, uh, Clayton, you've never been to prison, right? That is correct. So I think we're going to be going off of like movie prison rules. Yeah, it's going to be mostly like, uh, you know, longest yard kind of uh, prison yeah. rules. You yeah, know? okay. Kind that's of fine. what we imagine it's like. And then if we ever went to prison, it'd be like, oh, I'm scared. This isn't anything like I thought it would be. Exactly. Like, I think that I can, like, you know, you can rally everyone together like Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, come on, guys, we can do it. And they just pummel you with fists. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. No, I'm, I'm dying within like day five. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, but so <clears throat> I know that uh, we uh, talked before. I'm arguing uh, for. Urban Meyer, yep. Um, uh, for him to take out uh, the devil himself. Um, are you arguing for the devil himself, or are you arguing for your man uh, Orgeron? Well, I will argue in favor. I will get. I can give you the defense of Nick Saban, and then I can give you the uh, the case for Ed Orgeron. I mean, as a Clemson fan, I want to say Dabo, but Dabo was not going to beat up Nick Saban. Nick no. Saban has the devil inside him, and Dabo's just a you know. He's just a silly guy. D Dabo's a goofy dude, and he's a he's fun a goofy guy. dude. He's a great yeah. coach, by the way. Great coach. Um, and he's not gonna beat. He's not going to beat the literal devil in a prison rules uh, fist fight. No, it's just he he's won't. just not. He won't. Um, but so we want to like pit scary people against scary people. <laughs> um, let and I just want to get this out of the way off the jump. Um, Ogeron is by far the best human, like the nicest human out of these three, right? Oh yeah, Ed Ogeron would. I would hide evidence to protect Ed Ogeron's yeah. legacy. Like yeah. I would commit crimes with like checks to if it helped <laughs> Ed Ogeron. He he is as close to like as pure as an NFL or, or, or a college football coach can be, right? Yeah, which isn't to say he's perfect because no. I don't think anybody in a college football, a college sports, anything can be. But I love that man to death. His LSU Tigers beat my Clemson Tigers, and I still. Was okay. I was very okay with it because it meant Ed Ogeron is a champion. I think it's as just, he deserves to that, be. That that team was just so likable, man. You know, the, my only connection to LSU was uh, like a bunch of friends that I used to work with down in Florida, and I was rooting for them. They like you know Joe Burrow is so likable. That whole yeah, season it, was just magic. You know. Yeah, it was it was impossible. I mean, like obviously I wanted Clemson to win. Obviously Clemson had yeah. won. They won two championships while I was there, so I didn't feel very. Uh, I didn't feel like my entire like self worth was on the line. Sure. Um, and so watching them, you know, kick the sh the hell out of us, it was pretty okay. <laughs> it was okay, honestly. Wait, 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 were you were you at the Deshaun Watson game? I was in Clemson for that. We I was nineteen at the time. Okay. And so we were just at a house party at somebody's house, and I have on my phone a recording of Deshaun Watson throwing the touchdown pass to Hunter Renfro with one second left. Uh, everybody starts screaming. And I drop my phone and start jumping around. And so you can see the camera goes black because it hits the ground. And then you just hear a boot just stomp on my phone and it cracked. Jesus. I, it up. No. I was like, oh my God, my phone's broken. But at this point, we didn't care. So we all just got in a car and went downtown Clem to downtown Clemson. And I was hugging strangers and stuff. It that's was the fine. most, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's incredible. Um, so worth it. So, I mean, that's all nice. Now let's kill Nick yeah, Saban let's, in prison. Let's rumble. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, so um, basically, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and start this one off. Urban Meyer, um, short of Nick Saban and, like, Bill Belichick in the NFL, for me, is the closest thing to, like, someone that has made a deal with the devil. 
um, out of anyone. And out of all of those guys, Belichick looks worn. He's old. His soul is done. Um, at this point, Nick Saban, I'm not sure what COVID is going to do to his body. Um, and we're, we're, we're playing 2020 rules, like prison in quarantine, like going, going through all that. He has COVID for this fight. And yeah, let's just, yeah, we can just assume. We'll, we'll get that out of the way. Um, yeah. Urban Meyer looks like he's 40. It's true. And he looks like every corporate movie villain that like when the, when the henchmen go away, he yep. can still whoop ass. He is um, a Lex Luthor looking mf -er. He looks like every dad of every girlfriend I've ever had in the <laughs> scariest way. Meeting you in the doorway, just like threatening you with violence yeah. with his eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's, he's the dad. He's a, he, he looks like every dad that goes, well, well what are your plans? <laughs> like, yeah, he sits you I'm down like, on the couch across from him, and he's like sitting in his like dad lazy boy recliner, and he's yep. just got like a shotgun next to him. Yep. And he's just yep. like, so uh, how old are you? How you doing? You doing yep. okay? What are you going to do with my daughter tonight? Just oh that. my god, he looks like a man that grinds his teeth all the time. <laughs> like, yeah. like you can see, like he's so tense, it looks like he has chewed tobacco, like at yeah. all times, like in the back corners of his mouth. Of his mouth. Yep. So yeah. in terms of just as like in terms of just pure scariness, mm -hmm. I think that like Urban Meyer um, can take Nick Saban, and Nick Saban is just ridden with disease at this point. Um, I like That's Urban fair. Meyer has the intimidation factor for me. I get that. And you know, I get that Urban Meyer has a little bit of the devil inside of him. There's no doubting that. It was funny because again, I'm bringing up Clemson, but Clemson beat Ohio state in the playoffs last year. And they showed cause Urban Meyer retired. And so, but he was on the sideline, uh, like rooting for Ohio state and the camera cut to him right as Ohio state was trying to score to win the game. And they cut to him on the sideline, like standing with his hands on his knees, just like really into the game. They cut back to the game. Ohio State throws an interception. Justin Fields' first interception of the season. They lose the game. I'm like, that dude is the devil. They are paying the price for hiring the devil. It is that. It's that yeah. easy to spot. It's just yeah. that easy to spot. I totally yeah. get the idea that Urban Meyer would be able to put up, warlock. you know, yeah, <laughs> warlock. How do you it, get fired from UF and then go to Ohio State and then make and, Dwayne Haskins yeah. a thing? Like, there's yeah, no right. Right? <laughs> yeah, how do you make like, Dwayne Haskins a thing? I, I know what he's doing now. Like, like there's no reason why he should have been as successful as he was over, like, what, 18 starts? Yeah. Like, come on. Like, Urban that had Meyer. To be a little bit, that had to be a little voodoo magic. I totally yeah. get that. However, I did do my research. I looked up Urban Meyer because I knew there had to be something. Maybe an instance where the – maybe it was the crossroad of his career. Okay. And then after that, it kicked off with the devil. Okay. So I found I found out, and this is from his Wikipedia page, so take it for go whatever ahead, go it's ahead, worth. Go, 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 go. In the early morning of December 6, 2009, soon after returning home following his team's loss in the 09 SEC championship game, Meyer was qu quietly admitted into a Gainesville hospital suffering from chest pains and dehydration. He was later released that day, and the incident was not released to the public. That makes me think, in that moment, Urban Meyer made a deal with the devil, but... It also tells me that now that I don't, I think that now that he's out of coaching, the devil might have left him because, and if that's the case, he went to the hospital, chest pain, dehydration, heart problems, maybe. I don't know how, go, how well he's going to put up in a fight. I'm taking Nick Saban. And I, listen, my, Urban Meyer is like six foot one, 200 pounds, let's say. Okay. Yeah. Nick Saban's like five, six, 150. 
Okay. He is giving he is giving up seven inches, let's say fifty pounds. That's what I'm I saying. Need, I know that Nick Saban is gonna have to put up something to be able to hold himself in this fight. And I think it is, other than the devil, pure attitude and intensity alone. I think that because it's prison rules, I, I specifically made it prison rules because I know that that's how Nick Saban is <laughs> is like suited best for a fight. Sure. I think that in that prison rules fight, Nick Saban is holding nothing back. He's scratching. He is clawing. He's kicking. You know, he's unleashing the monster within, which it looks like is about to burst out every single time I watch him on TV. And the attitude part of him. I mean, when I see Nick Saban talk to players in college, they're still grown men. They're 18, 19, 20, 20, you know. For sure. They're men. They're adults. Yeah. And the way he can talk to them and berate them is to a point where if I'm looking at that and I'm thinking that that's me, obviously it's not because they're actual athletes. Sure. I'm like, how am, how am I letting this five foot six like twerp talk to me like that? I would pop him in the face. But they don't. And I think that's a reflection of the intensity of Nick Saban. When he was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, now he's dealing with like full grown million, you know, millionaire athletes. Mm-hmm. And not one of them ever slapped him upside of his head and called him a dork. I think that that shows that he has the ability to instill fear in everybody around him. He has no, he has nothing but confidence, no sense of humor. He's no BS. He is who he is, and that is a monster. So, here's my thing. Urban Meyer is clearly not coaching anymore, right? Um, he is the assistant athletics director at Ohio State University. Most likely, and I'm just speculating here, um, he got booted in some part because of the bad publicity because of like all of the scandal that happened, right? Yeah. I am 90% sure Ohio State kept him on because of how crafty they are in wanting to recruit players. They oh, that know, makes sense. They know he cheats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they want to keep him on staff. Uh-huh. But they're just allowing him to stay um, in, like, a quieter position so he doesn't, like, attract any attention with all of his shenanigans. That might be it. They, they might have put him on retainer. Just kind of like, we don't want, I know he doesn't, I think it's because he doesn't want to coach. He might be done with it, but they're like, we don't want you going somewhere else to coach and bringing your bad voodoo magic somewhere else. So we'll just like give you a position and keep you around. Well, and like, I think that this is sort of like a Lakers Magic Johnson thing where Magic Johnson can now just tamper all he wants and send Chris Paul to the (laughs) Lakers for 2021. Yeah. Um, That's the most ridiculous stuff, by the way. It's like, it's, it's Magic Johnson. He has to be able to talk about other players. Exactly. So like, I think... That, that is what they're doing with Urban Meyer. So this tells me this tells me two things. Okay. Especially for prison rules, right? Yep, definitely. Urban emphatically Meyer, prison rules. Emphatically prison rules. Um, yeah. Urban Meyer is clearly very creative. What the hell do you do with a Russian quarterback like Tim Tebow and win two national chips with him? Of course he was fine, but he's clearly a very wily, crafty, creative sort of brain, right? Sure. He has... 50 pounds and, like, over half a foot <laughs> like on seven Nick inches Saban. on Nick Saban. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's definitely a hole in my argument. Um, and then three, while Nick Saban most likely has some weird ways of recruiting players down to Alabama, mm-hmm. 
Urban, there's hard evidence on Urban Meyer being a very creative cheater. That is true. So if we're talking prison rules like shanks allowed, shanks allowed, ambushing allowed, um, uh, Chris Rock dying in um, the longest (laughs) yard tactics allowed. Yeah. uh, Urban Meyer does bring a little bit of that deceitfulness to the table. And you're right. And I didn't think about that. The cheating part, because see, I'm thinking of Urban Meyer as just like a schemer. And I'm thinking of Nick Saban as just an angry pit bull. But... I can see the the scheminess uh, prison rules pulling out a shank, maybe having paid off some dude with like a carton of cigarettes in the crowd while they're like squaring off, just comes up and stabs Nick Saban in the throat with a screwdriver. Or he says like batteries in his socks or something. Like that. I don't know. I can see all that. But again, looking at Nick Saban, the death, the the lack of a human being in his eyes. He doesn't exist. I am convinced that he isn't a real person. He just coaches college football and he just he also does Affleck commercials, actually. So he, maybe okay. he is a real person. Th- that, that's another thing too. The fact that he does Affleck commercials in a blue jacket, like, and short- he acts like he's personable and like he's funny and like people like him, and they don't. It's like nobody <laughs> wants to buy anything from Nick Saban. You're not. Nobody <laughs> likes you. And he's okay, like, do you so- want life insurance? It's like, well, it's Affleck. It's not actually life insurance. He's like, you're right. I want you to like right now. Like we can we can do the background. Do you have your computer on? Like, yes. like, 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 with you. I want you yes. to look on at their two pictures on Wikipedia: Nick Saban's and Urban Meyer's. Okay. Nick Saban actually looks semi-personable in his picture, and Urban Meyer looks like he definitely has a body in a fridge. <laughs> Urban Meyer, yeah. Nick Saban's definitely has a little bit of the crazy eyes. A little bit. Yeah. Of crazy Nick, eyes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like Urban but, Meyer's, he has okay. shark eyes. Yeah, well, I would say the same thing about Nick Saban. Looking at the picture I just <laughs> saw of him, he's got the like Ted Bundy eyes, where it's like, you know, not every, not everybody who's capable of doing awful things is the one who's like sitting in the corner, not saying anything, and who you just look at and you know. Yeah. Some of them can bring you in. Some of them are successful. Ted Bundy was very successful, and turned out to be, you know, Ted Bundy. And I think that, oh my gosh, I just put it together, dude. Julian, we just found out. <laughs> we, oh my god. I think Nick Saban is a Zodiac killer. (laughs) (laughs) One of these two has to be. Okay, you have to be very careful with how you distribute this podcast because if it gets in the wrong hands, we are going to die. That's a good point. That's a good point. Okay, so that basically redoes my entire entire argument. Nick Saban would beat up uh, Urban Meyer because he's a friggin' Zodiac killer. He's done it before and he'll do it again. I mean, I can come up with some marketable name for Urban Meyer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, 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 so, like I, I can do, I can figure out something. We'll, we'll just the like, Meyer monster, the Meyer murderer, something. Yeah, like, that. like, yeah, something like that. Or like, I can find some name in history. Like, uh, let me, Ooh, let me yeah. think. Buzzfeed unsolved. Sponsor this podcast. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, Nick Saban, <laughs> Zodiac killer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we have evidence now. Um, yeah, because we looked into his <laughs> eyes and we were like, that dude's capable of doing bad things. He's the Zodiac killer. So the, re- the reason why I started like to point and like agree with you, have you, you remember like in movies when like, uh, like the bad guy smiles and it's like really creepy. Yep. Yep. I have a theory and it's because they have tiny, tiny teeth. <laughs> okay. They have like way too many teeth, like something yeah. like that. Nick Saban has, look, look back at his smile. He has tiny, uh-huh. tiny tooth face. Look at him. All right, Nick Saban, I'm going to look at his tiny <laughs> tooth face. He does kind of have a tiny little face, but like, again... Like, like he has like 50 teeth, like just in his smile, like alone. 
Yeah, that's. I mean, he does it, but his front two are really prominent. They're whiter than I thought they'd be. That's I never. I, I didn't think I would be evaluating Nick Saban's uh, smile today, but I have to say, very I white mean, teeth. That's probably why his football players don't talk back to him. <laughs> yeah, they're just like that dude will bite. That's the, he'll bite the hell out of them. Yeah, there's some sort of like addendum in his uh, <laughs> <laughs> in, in in their recruiting agreement. <laughs> I love that you think though. I I would love to go back and watch some of like the scary movies from like my childhood and like pay attention to the teeth of all the bad guys and like count them and find like average teeth in a bad guy, average teeth in a good guy and like get hard empirical evidence about that. You know what? Um, you're, you're a man well known for his research. That's a reason why uh, my co-host and I fell in love with your video series. Oh, thank I you. have no doubt that you're going to do a great job. with that. <laughs> I'm going to be watching like <laughs> the land before time. And like, I don't know, just counting all the dinosaur teeth and like, I'm going to start watching, uh, for some reason, Ratatouille came to mind, and I thought of like the big, tall, slender guy. I don't know if he ever shows his teeth, but I bet that I dude think doesn't have a lot of teeth. I think you're just being mean to Nick Saban's buck teeth, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the only reason why. Um, but yeah, no. So our listeners, um, who is scarier uh, to you? Uh, sound off. Um, which is scarier, shark eyes or uh, too many tooth face? <laughs> and uh, who wins in a no-holds-barred uh, prison Shanks allowed fight between Nick Saban and Urban Meyer. We're going to have an addendum to this. What is your okay. case for Ogeron? I was about to say, Take do we agree Saban. that Ed Ogeron, because listen, Ed Ogeron has like a Dabo Sweeney corollary where very personable, very charismatic. Seems like he really enjoys what he does and loves being around the players, loves the sport. He loves his job, but he also is like, I want to, I, I actually didn't do my research for this. I'm looking up Ed Ogeron's height because that man is a, uh, he's if an alligator was a person he he sounds like leather like the sound of ed ogeron's voice sounds like what i would imagine leather would talk like if it could talk and so because he is basically he's six foot two so he's got what is that i can't do math seven to nine inches on yes. nick saban yes yeah yeah, yeah. nine uh, inches on eight, nick eight, saban eight, eight, eight. It See, I can't. I don't, I don't do math. That's why I, I the, the writing thing. The you know, I you don't let do the research do, do do your work for you. That's fine. Yeah, I'm just like That's how efficient. many years, dude? I go to like Google and I'm just like twenty eight minus three, <laughs> it's like 20, 25. Yeah, I never calculate um, tip. But Ed Ogeron clearly has like, yeah, Ed Ogeron has like a hundred pounds on Nick Saban. He's made of like anger and southern charm, and I think that even that, I think that as much as Nick Saban is a force for evil. Ed Ogeron is a force for good, and it, spiritually, and his physicality, I think, gives him an edge over that. I think that it is the collision of two worlds, good versus evil, and in this case, I think that the good wins. Um, so what I'm going to say is Ed Ogeron, these are key stats, right? Yes. This is the tale Ed of the Ogeron, 6'2". Yep. He was born in the bayou. Like, he's authentic. <laughs> he's an authentic bayou human being. I would believe um, that he was born, like, in a canoe on the bayou. He grew up uh, in the town of La Rose. A oh, town... Uh, <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> oh, my God, you really did go to Clemson. Holy crap. Uh, <laughs> go up, run down to the bayou, boy. Down onto the bayou, boy. <laughs> um, he grew up in La Rose. And Wikipedia, like, makes a note of this. Hmm. He grew up in La Rose, a town on the bayou La Forge. Mmm, double in, French. This is this is crazy. He, uh, uh, um, his town isn't even like a town or a city. It's part of Laforge Parish. 
That oh is how God. French Catholic Bayou he is. <laughs> so he is he is a he is a swamp country. Yes. Bayou boy. Yes. That played um, defensive lineman. Um, he 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 is a gumbo. Crawdads and gumbo. Dark rue raised boy <laughs> with molasses dripping out of the mouth. Oh, you better believe it now. Uh, we're gonna go on down there. We're gonna take Nick Saban. We're gonna crush him up into a tiny little ball. We're gonna throw him into the butt. We're gonna throw him into the pot. We're gonna boil him up. We're gonna eat Nick Saban like a stew. Um, I'm gonna have that as like the as a lead-in <laughs> bit. <laughs> I'm gonna have that as like the lead-in bit. Um, yeah, we're, that's gonna be like the cold entrance. Um, yeah, right. The cold intro. <laughs> Jesus God. Um, but so he he is a Bayou raised like. Corn crawfish fed yeah. defensive lineman. Yes. Like he played D line at LSU. He would have to go against like D lineman. I'm always impressed by because I'm impressed by offensive linemen. They're 300 pounds and a D lineman has to get over him. Yep. Come on. Yep. And he's going against 156 pound Nick Saban. Yep. <laughs> um, like I think with Orgeron because of his personality, he's like a good guy, right? Yeah. But it's the same thing. Like you don't piss off an elephant. Absolutely not. Like, as dangerous as as Nick Saban is, no animal in the savannah pisses off an elephant. Nick Saban is the kind of guy who shows his teeth, and he's always kind of trying to intimidate the rest. I think Ed Ogeron is the one where he doesn't have to show his teeth. He doesn't have to, like, come out and try to claim his territory. Everybody knows it's his, and if you get the teeth to come out, you're done. Um, That being said, uh, if LSU uh, doesn't win the chip this year, I'm changing my vote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it all rides on this year. This is your they're golden like un- chance. <laughs> they're like unranked, and it's just like, come yeah. on, LSU, run it back. I was like, come on, man. Like, I, you, this is your golden chance. He has COVID now. Take, take the spot. Take the spot. It's fine. Go, 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 go. Get yours. Hey, man, it's 2020. Anything can happen. I know it seems like they're out of it right now, but I have to believe in that in that Cajun magic, in that big old Cajun man. Yep. That big old Cajun magic man. Yep, yep, yep. That swamp magic, baby. Uh, <laughs> that airboat magic. Uh, <laughs> we are going to go to our title fight. This one is a really personal uh, issue to me. Um, yep. I, like you, have suffered through a lot of harsh years uh, in my sports life. Yep. Um, everyone. Sammy has, and he's a he's a Boston. I don't fan. I don't know what he suffered through. Um, <laughs> maybe apparently he's a really big um, he he's a big Drew Bledsoe guy, though. Oh really? So I guess he's like an OG. Like so he did suffer through like some of those like primary color red blue years. And then he won six Super Bowls in 20 years. Yeah, I think I don't think we need to share too much. No, 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 we, no, 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 we don't. <laughs> Everyone makes fun of me because I love Duke basketball. Okay. I love my Yankees. Um, uh-huh. When the Giants won their two Super Bowls, everyone's like, when did you become a Giant? Like, they, they started making fun of me for that. Yeah, of course. But the yeah. sports fandom and the sports team that I always point to to tell them to shut up about my dishonesty and my front and my accused, my alleged uh, front running nature uh-huh. is my longtime heartbreak based fandom of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, you should put in like the taps horns, like the you, you go, go do that for me. I had like, uh, <laughs> go, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I. That's for all the Nets fans out there. I, 
you know, we suffered through, like, I remember thinking uh, when we had an old Kevin Garnett mm. and Paul Pierce. Yeah. You gave up your whole future we for that. Um, <laughs> we had the first, we had the NBA's first big four with those yeah. two, Brooke Lopez. No, we had a big five. We had those two, Brooke <laughs> Lopez, Joe Johnson, and Deron Williams. Darren Williams, baby. Oh, my God. Point God. Darren Williams and his, like, plexiglass ankles. <laughs> um, and you all led by a Russian, like, oligarch. That was, like, a, a match made in I'm heaven. I'm pretty sure, like, like for everyone, for, for, for anyone that uh, uh, followed the 2016 election, I'm pretty sure that uh, Prokhorov bought the Nets to have that channel in to, like, influence the votes. Uh, it was like a big ripple effect. It was, it was like, this big... is step one, step one, step yeah. like 15 is we affect the 2016 Yeah, exactly. Um, also, like, uh, we'll make friends with Jay-Z. There's a reason. Wh- oh, my God. I have a new conspiracy theory about Jay-Z and his whole vodka line now. Um, okay. Um, but so I've suffered through a whole lot. Yes. But finally this year, um, courtesy of the owner of Alibaba um, and the sacrifices made. Uh, by years and years and years of ineptitude. The Nets are poised to make their first appearance in the NBA Finals since 2002 and 2003. Correct. You um, uh, have strong feelings about the Miami Heat. That is correct. And I want to say, you know, right up front, I'm kind of my friends if they ever if they hear this will hate me because I'm saying this. My when I first got into the NBA, I was in high school. My friend made me watch a game. Uh, it was the playoffs, and that, it was 2013, and it ended with Ray Allen bank, sinking that three. Basketball fan for life. Yep. I needed a team going into the next season, and so I just decided, hey, Blake Griffin looks fun. DeAndre Jordan has cool dunks. Chris Paul looks like a cool guy. Lob City. Clippers fan. Bought a Blake Griffin jersey, watched the Clippers, watched them lose, like the Saints, in heartbreaking fashion year after year. I have since basically given up my Clippers fandom. I still root for them in the playoffs, but I don't follow them nearly as much. They, I, they just, I, I'm an NBA theist where I just kind of follow all the teams. You I just like enjoy. all the teams. So I, so I don't have a real vested interest in the Miami Heat, mm-hmm. but I do think that going into next year, especially looking at the Brooklyn Nets. The Miami Heat have much more reason to be optimistic than the Brooklyn Nets do, and I can pinpoint all the reasons why. Would you like to start, or would you like me to? Uh, you, you, you go ahead and start. I'll be a gentleman once more, because I like. there's a reason why the Nets are, go, are coming out of the East next season. All right, and then I have counterpoints for the Nets, but I'll start go with ahead, the Heat. We'll ahead. stick with the go Heat. Ahead. Yeah, we'll stick with the Heat. So I think the first thing that everybody's going to think of is the Heat culture. The fact that they were a five seed going into this. They absolutely were not meant to make the NBA Finals, but they did. What everybody pointed to the whole time was Heat culture. The fact that it doesn't matter what seed you are, how many points you're down, where you are in the standings, you play to win no matter what. 110% condition the players, get them out there. They're going to try to play to win. So the culture is... The identity is a huge thing. And as we've seen throughout NBA history, a culture, a team culture, is one of the best indicators of success, past, present, and future. You look at the San Antonio Spurs. You look at the the Lakers, the Celtics. Yeah, Toronto was great. Yeah. Um, And it doesn't always have to be championships. Sometimes it's just teams that are doing better than they're supposed to. 
but a strong culture is like the foundation for a successful franchise. So the Heat have that in spades, check. Second part, the front office and the coaching. You've got Pat Riley, who is one of the most brilliant basketball minds that has ever walked the face of this earth. Championship player, championship coach, championship executive. I mean, the guy can do it all. He is leading this team. They never had to rebuild. They always were kind of in competition, trying to make the playoffs. They never bottomed out, and they rebuilt this team on the fly, much like the Celtics did a couple years ago. And now they're just loaded. They never gave up trade assets. They never took on huge contracts. And now they're set up for the future. All their young players. Uh, Eric Spolster is a fantastic head coach. Probably one of, if not the best coach in the league right now. He beat multiple NBA teams in multiple NBA playoff series using his own defense. Which, like, after college basketball, after a random March game, should be obsolete for any basketball player trying to make it to the pros. And then the players. You've got Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson. I mean, the list goes on and they can only get deeper. You've got Tyler Hero, youngest player to ever start in the finals, broke the all-time rookie, I'm looking at my notes, all-time rookie playoff three-point record. Kendrick Nunn is fantastic. He broke the, uh, maybe he didn't break, but he was the quickest Miami Heat player in history to 500 points. And Duncan Robinson had one of the best three-point shooting seasons of all time in basically his rookie year. You take those three guys, and Bam Adebayo is a stud. It's his third year. They're all only going to get better. You saw them go up against LeBron James, the greatest player of his generation, maybe the greatest player of all time, in the finals, on the biggest stage, and they didn't bat an eye. They were ready to fight. They came out to fight. The shots didn't go down. Miami had a better team, or the, uh, the Lakers had a better team. More power to them. The fact that those guys, all those guys, led by Jimmy Butler, who has found his forever home. He is like the golden retriever on Instagram that you look at and it's like, somebody adopt this golden retriever. You're like, I wish I could. Jimmy Butler has found his forever home. He is, and everybody loves him. He has found his dudes. And then he's got, you know, Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala, guys like that, who are also just dogs. They just want to win. That spells success for next year. You have the experience, further chemistry. Better development for young players. Now Tyler Hero says, okay, I've got the three-point shot down. Why don't I work on my dribbling a little bit? Why don't I work on being able to drive and like pull up in the mid-range? Now that, and you just, everybody can develop. They flesh out their skills. They're very well suited for next year. I'm very high on the Miami Heat. And maybe they don't win it next year. But they signed Jimmy Butler to a four-year contract. They have a four-year window at least of kicking major ass in the Eastern Conference. I yield my time. If you're talking about culture um, and a team winning uh, based off of culture, I do, I think you are one of those uh, many millions of people that have watched the NBA and didn't pay attention to the Brooklyn Nets up until they got Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Our entire reputation for culture has been built off of these hard scrapping Nets teams led by, um, and I'm wearing his jersey for good luck today, D'Angelo Russell. Um, and there is a reason why those teams, as untalented as they were, um, the Brooklyn Nets have one of the best player development staffs in the NBA right now. If you're talking about how well Tyler Hero, um, Kendrick Nunn, even uh, Jimmy Neutron, what's his name? Duncan Robinson. 
Um, By the way, I get a lot of people that say I look like Duncan Robinson, so you better wait, put in some respect really? on his name. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. his, his head is elongated. No, I his head. His I get head it. is yeah, long. He has, he's got a big. He's got a big. His, his his head. You know that like the 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 Easter Island emoji. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of looks like, like the Duncan thing. Um, our crew has developed into borderline all stars all on their own. You ha- you say you have Kendrick Nunn. I counter with Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. You say um, you have Bam. Obviously, Jarrett Allen isn't on that level, but he is a borderline um, all-star in the East, given uh, Joel Embiid is turning into like a modern-day Shaq in terms of conditioning. Um, and <clears throat> you say Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. I give you Joey Buckets. Led the NBA in three-point percentage, I think, twice in a row now. Something close to that. He nailed. I remember one year he was on fire. The three-point competition. Absolutely fire. I had that diamond card in NBA 2K. (laughs) Um, And that was that magic D'Angelo Russell year where the Nets. The reason why Kevin Durant and Kyrie came to the Nets and chose them over the Knicks, any other team that was trying to, uh, uh, you know, be a suitor for them, any other suitor, they saw what the Nets were doing. They saw how well we developed our role players into something meaningful. And while uh, we don't have a lot of measured success in that department, we went, I think, uh, four and one in the bubble. Um, you were pretty good. With, pretty good. With Karis LeVert and the G League roster. <laughs> yeah. And, like, what was it? Uh there, there, there's a whole lot of stuff that goes unnoticed about the Nets. And the reason why people are noticing the Miami Heat now is because of what they were able to do now that they have a max contract player. I contend that the Nets have a more proven record of developing young talent, good chemistry, and they have two top 10 talents. And as good of a player as Jimmy Butler is, and I think his leadership and his intangibles puts him maybe into the argument for top 10 next season, he is not a top 10 talent. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are top 10 talents. And they lead a team now um, with an unproven coach, but the captain of eye test-wise, maybe the most potent offense of all time. One of the most uh, iconic offenses of all time behind like you know Showtime. And uh, uh, the Golden State death lineup. Um, You have that captain now leading the Nets, led by arguably the two best scorers in the NBA right now. Um, And I don't think that there's anything preventing them from getting out of the East. All good points. All very fair. I wrote down one name while you were talking about your culture, player development, things like that. Kenny Atkinson. He was a huge part of the culture that brought the Nets to relevance. He took that job knowing they were going to be bad and had no first-round picks. He was dealing with nothing. And he made chicken salad out of chicken crap. And then Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving came. Oddly enough, Kenny Atkinson got fired. Yep. He did. Which is the huge... That's the, and that's the biggest counterpoint. You, have Kem, you do have the Brooklyn Nets culture. Became very good the last four or five mm-hmm. years. They were very competitive. The fact that they were able to sign these two guys, I think, is a great indica- is a great uh, what do you what do you call it uh, indication of the Brooklyn Nets. But it's Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Sure, Kevin Durant 
one of I mean, you're absolutely right. They're both two they're both top ten players. Kevin Durant, I think if he had been actually healthy this year, which is a huge, you know, if if, sure. I mean, when he got hurt, he was probably playing the best basketball in the league. I think top and then three Kyrie Irving yeah, is sure. Yeah, uh, even if he comes back and he's like 80% of what he was, he'll be like top 5, top 3. It's cuz he doesn't need athleticism. Um Yeah, exactly. Game. You're exa- exactly. He has like the Dirk corollary mm-hmm. where like he can he could be like 40 years old and like and put up pull 18. up from Yeah, okay. and just pull up from like, you know, 32 yep. and just wet it. Yep. So, I'm not worried about him coming back from injury, although it's a little bit of a concern, but their personalities. Kevin Durant on the Thunder he didn't really get talked about a lot as a very volatile superstar. Then in Golden State, a little bit of rumbling, a little bit of hush-hush. Maybe he doesn't get along with his teammates. That Draymond incident against the Clippers uh, his last year there, not a great look. And then it comes out, yeah, he didn't really get along with the play- with you know everybody that last year and kind of made his mind up to leave. And then Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving. He thinks the world is flat and... <laughs> He is like, his, the Boston situation, looking at that team in a vacuum. I was talking about this the other day. Looking at that Boston team in a vacuum is like, why did they not like at least make the final? Very much they agreed. Were so good. Very much agreed. So good. Most of the blame can be put on Kyrie Irving and his locker room toxicity. You take both of those players together, put them together. It could be like putting, uh, I'm about to get dorky, but sodium chloride. Sodium, going to kill you. Chlorine, going to kill you. Put them together, table salt. Could be that. But it also could just be like ammonia and bleach and it could blow up. But you brought up two things. Salt that goes on everything. (laughs) And blowing up, which you're right. The Nets have explosive potential this season. (laughs) This is is what I'm going to say to you. Kevin Durant is mercurial, to say the least, right? Sure. A little bit moody. Uh, engages with the fans in a, not the best way, right? Yeah. Kyrie Irving, I have no arguments about his time with the Celtics. I have <laughs> nothing fighting. Like, I think he's crazy. Uh, we tr- When we traded uh, D'Angelo Russell away for him, mm-hmm. I wanted to punch Sean Marks in the throat. Because mm. um, I, I worried about the same thing. Here's Here's my counterpoint to that, though. There are legitimate catalysts for why they didn't get along with their previous teams. Brad Stevens is a great X's and O's guy, right? Granted, I don't think that he knows how to manage superstar egos. He's a little bit uh, too presidential. He's a little bit too above mm-hmm. having to get in between in a, into a fight. Exactly. And I think like one of the reasons why Eric Spolstra is not known as like a, you know, the best X's and O's guy necessarily, but as a great coach is because he developed that thick skin. Like, what do you mm. what do you do when your uh, big three in Miami starts off? What, what yeah. nine and seven? Yeah. What do you? Yeah, season? you have to have you know cojones of steel to be able to coach LeBron James. Exactly, and I think it's one thing to coach uh, Gordon Hayward to uh, uh, um, a Final Four and like a Finals with Duke coming down to the last shot and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I do think that it's another thing to try to manage an NBA superstar's ego in the form of Kyrie Irving. Mm, who's already won a championship. Who's he already, already has, won a championship. He can, like, he can walk in, you know, drag him on the ground and say, hey, guys, I've already got a ring. So Exactly. And as crazy as he is and was and will probably always be, <laughs> yeah. he and LeBron no doubt hated each other um, mm. at, at some point. And 
with the way that he behaves now, I can see when LeBron came back from Miami, I can see Kyrie Irving to his friends being like, God damn it. I was like building this thing and like this guy and I don't have my yeah. own thing now. But where did that lead? That led to one of the greatest NBA title runs in history. Probably right. the uh, most difficult championship run um, Probably. we've ever seen. And it all made possible, not all, but made possible because of Kyrie. He was, you know, I mean, I hate Skip Bayless as much as the next guy, but he made a point that Kyrie should have been finals MVP. He shouldn't have, but he should be commended for how insanely good he was. He should be commended. Uh, He's insanely like, good. He is it, insanely yeah. good. And if we're talking about, you know, LeBron getting help, you can't get much better of a second banana than Kyrie Irving. Right. Especially when Kyrie Irving gets to pick who his first banana is or co-first banana is, a.k.a. Kevin Durant. Mm. Now, with that, too, um, the Nets get a uh, pair of championship-caliber superstars. As mercurial and as uh, volatile as that Golden State Warriors team was towards the end, what mm-hmm. did they, they needed um, someone that could get their own shot when the clock expired. Right. As good as Steph Curry was, you can't have a 6'3 ball handler finesse player um, backing down and bullying people for that last second shot to win a game. Sure. Kyrie got that, sh- that last second shot off on Steph Curry to win in 2016 because he's simply yeah. bigger than him. And, and then he's- Kevin Durant went there, and he's like the perfect guy to get his own shot. Exactly. So talent-wise, they fit super well together. At the, mm-hmm. end, of their go- at the-, at the end of the Golden State tenure... I, Draymond Green had a chance to prove this season that uh, he was a great leader for Golden State. And as unpublicized as it was, they are in the running for the number one pick for a reason. Um, and what does that do for any time that Draymond Green has uh, been touted as like this great emotional leader? Fair. Fair point. Golden State wins that 2016 title in five or six if uh, Draymond doesn't, you know, not punch LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and then as far as leaving OKC, look who has uh, two titles to his name. And look who tried to get publicity by getting an Xbox 360 haircut and hasn't made it past the second round since. Um, so there are other candidates as to why that went wrong. And mm. unlike other crazy people's stories... Like, you know, Dennis Robin getting a cotton candy haircut, that kind of thing. Yeah. Going to the WWE Championship, like, in yeah, the middle of a final yeah. series. Like, yeah, like, there is a legitimate other side to these superstars, um, you know, sordid tales and assorted that is a very That is a very good point to bring up Dennis Robin because it's true. There is room on a championship NBA roster for wackiness, for being out there and not that Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving is going to go like dye their hair and like go be crazy like that. And like what you said about the talent is like, it's irrefutable. You can't argue that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are not as two superstars, more talented than Jimmy Butler plus whoever bam or Tyler hero or whoever their second best player is. I mean, it's no contest there going through the depth on the roster. I would, you know, call it almost a wash. Yeah, But again, it is, and so the biggest question with the Nets is how are they going to get along? I think a big thing in your favor is the fact that Kevin Durant chose to go to Brook to Brooklyn. He also chose to go to Golden State, but he chose to go to Brooklyn because he wanted to play with Kyrie. They're boys. They like each other. That makes me think that they, that, that thing that they share where they're a little standoffish, I guess might be the word. 
with other people, media players, whatever, they might find a common, you know, a common thread between them in that. And that might help them resolve their issues because they might know Kyrie might be able to look at Kevin Durant and say, hey, I need to go talk to him. Whereas somebody else, maybe Draymond was like, I need to go yell at him. Kyrie might be able to go, I need to leave him alone. I need to go talk to him. They might have that same temperament. And then there's also the chance that it doesn't go well. And Steve Nash being there, listen, as much as I want to argue in favor of the Miami Heat, I actually do like Steve Nash and I think he'll, he'll be a good coach. But again, there's a chance that he won't be. There's a lot more questions with Brooklyn than there are with Miami. Miami's the safer pick. That's why I'm arguing in their favor. But Steve Nash could go in there, get them all to work together. I mean, he worked with some crazy dudes in Phoenix with yep. Amari, uh, Sean Marion. Like, he definitely, you know, dealt with his sh uh, fair share of that kind of those kinds crazy of, you people. know, eccentric dudes. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it'll work out, but I'm thinking there's too much chance of volatility. I'm putting my bets on, and not to say that they won't be good. I think they'll be great. But I think if they were to meet in a playoff series, I like the Miami Heat, the the Jimmy Butler. It's all in there, man. So if they if they meet in a playoff series, right? Mm. One, my question is, um, how old is Goran Dragic now? Like sixty five. Um, <laughs> so he like I don't know, man. Dragons get dragons get better as they age. Okay, dragons live to be like four hundred. That's years good old. counterpoint. I like that. <laughs> um, how sustainable is Kendrick Nunn's early season success? He mm, fell off a, a cliff after he was the fastest uh, Heat player to um, score 500. Um, my next That's question is, um, uh, what do you do for your big men outside of Bam? Mm. If Bam goes, what do you do? Because I can tell you right now, Brooklyn has a trio, possibly even a foursome of really, really good athletes manning those big spaces. I don't know if you've seen Nick Claxton's highlights. He is dynamite um as a jumper his vertical is off the charts crazy uh mm. jared allen same way uh he jumps as yeah. high as his afro goes and deandre jordan <laughs> yeah. is aging just like milk and but he's a good locker room guy good chemistry great guy. locker room guy i can say from clippers experience that guy is a great bench guy great chemistry guy will really i think he will help them that team in that regard. well and there's a reason why you know the uh clippers what was it they like locked him in his house um, so, that he yeah, so that he couldn't, so he wouldn't sign anywhere it's else. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like we know that you average like ten points and or like eight points and thirteen rebounds, but he's just he's very important as a locker yep. room guy. Um, and then as good as Tyler Hero and uh, uh, Duncan Robinson's intangibles are, mm -hmm. they are very one-sided players. Mm. Um, when turned, but they might develop. I think that's a good. They, that's they, a part they, they might develop. That's true. Um. Assuming that it's a normal off season and like you know all that all that stuff. Considered. Let's put let's put a hypothetical starting five together. Who starts um, in a playoff series next year? Assuming health goes all correctly, who starts right. uh, for Miami um, against the Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals? Well, assuming they bring Dragic back, Dragic probably Kendrick Nunn as the backcourt. Well, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, and like Bam, and throw Duncan Robinson in for Kendrick Nunn, or you know, okay, like those six-ish players, right? Yeah, sure, 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 sure. So, um, put those put those five six mm -hmm. against Kyrie, mm -hmm. uh, Karis Levert, KD, Jared Allen, and we'll throw on uh, who? 
We'll throw in Wilson Chandler. For our starting five, I will take our top three against your top three mm. any day of the week. I would too. I would too. And that's the thing about the... Well, it would be like the play. It would be kind of like the finals now, where yeah, the Lakers, the Heat have, or I should say, the Lakers have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, the two best players in the series. They're better than Jimmy Butler, and much in the same way that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant would be better than Jimmy Butler in that series. But you know, the culture, the I hate, I hate to keep bringing up Heat culture, but the long lineage of Heat players that have gutted it out: Eric Spoelstra, Pat Riley. They, the depth there with a year of progression, maybe if those players can become more multidimensional, I think you're right that they kind of, as a rookie, I think it's tough to come in and just be a full package, but maybe if they flesh it out in the offseason, they come back and now maybe they're a little better as a two-way team, maybe they have a little better uh, mid-range stuff, stuff like that. Then it kind of becomes, well, how deep can Miami go? And, by the way, I forgot to mention the... Miami Heat have like forty-one million dollars of cap space. They could make a, they could make a trade because that's what the whole thing about their rebuild, where they never had to bottom out, they never took on huge contracts, they left themselves open for mobility, so they never had to give up a bunch of cap space to get a team and make a finals run and not win the championship. They're in a great position going forward. They could trade to get somebody in the middle of the season, or they could wait out this season. Maybe it doesn't go their way, and then go like go for the grand slam in the 2021 free agency class, which I'm is insane. I'm pretty sure. So what do you say to, uh, these rumors about Giannis going to Miami? <laughs> do you want that I to happen? I, I like the idea of, well, okay. So the Giannis all season long, best point differential. The bucks were a great team. Giannis was playing out of his mind, back-to-back -back MVP, all well-deserved. He's insane. He's very, he's, so good. And then they get waxed by Miami in the playoffs. And it was kind of something in the back of my mind that I thought the whole time was like, who else is on the Bucks? Like Chris Middleton. Yeah, he's great. I like Chris Middleton. Eric uh, Bledsoe. Okay. Yeah, fine. But are they. Chris Middleton is an East All-Star. Like that's. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. He's an East All-Star. Um, what else is there? It reminded me a little bit of the LeBron, and this was it happened right after I put out this LeBron video. It reminded me a little bit of the stuff I would read about LeBron with that young Cavs the first, team yeah, when they yeah. lost. Yeah, he's fantastic. He makes his teammates look better, but they get in a playoff series against a more talented team, they lose. And so I would like for Giannis to stay there. I think that Giannis going to any other team with a like superstar instantly makes them like if he played with jimmy butler forget about it the east is like nets heat all year forever it's just it would be a, a wash because he's that good i'm not one of those guys who i'm like stick on your own team and gut no. it out you know no. if you go to another team you're a coward and all that stuff i just i don't mind that i just think it would be more fun if the bucks could go get somebody and make keep them heat competitive make the bucks competitive now you've got two really fun teams that can go into the playoffs, not just he goes to the Heat and now they're champion. Well, I was going to – well, I, the reason why I asked you is because, of, of course, there are those rumors of Giannis going to uh, the Heat, right? Like taking like taking out his contract here, just, you know, trade me for something because, you know, I'm going to leave, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because the Nets are thinking about doing the same thing for Bradley Beal. Mm, mm -hmm. And I know for my part, I do not want that. Oh, really? No, 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 no. Like we already have – two gigantic egos on that team. 
Yeah. And as I like as a now DC native, mm-hmm. I can see what went wrong with Bradley Beal and John Wall. Mm. And while I would love to see Bradley Beal, we have a lot of talent that's homegrown. Yeah. So for me, I'm like you in that like I think that this will be a battle of culture plus talent. Yeah. Um and if Bradley Beal comes to the Nets, this eventual playoff battle like we lose that culture part. Mm. Overwhelming top heavy talent, but we're like the 2014 Miami Heat where like after LeBron Wade Bosch, you have Chris Anderson starting at center and it's just the most confusing <laughs> yeah. thing. Like we'd have to give up like our training center and like five picks. It'll be like the it'll be like when the Celtics fleeced us for their war chest. <laughs> um yeah. but so my uh, uh um Giannis. My, my my whole thing with Giannis, I don't know whether it's him to blame mm. or Mike Budenholzer to blame. And that's fair. I think that uh, and especially with like you know, I don't I Obviously, Giannis gets talked about in a lot of trade rumors. He's been, it's like, well, the Bucks haven't won a championship. I think it's also part of like NBA fans, NBA Twitter, or whatever, thinking like, okay, Giannis is on the Bucks, but I don't care about the Bucks. He should go to like the Celtics or the Knicks or the Heat or some something, some team that I actually would root for. I think that's part of it. Um, Giannis, don't go but, to the Knicks. <laughs> don't go to the like, Knicks. Like, like, this, like, not even as a Nets fan, don't ruin your yeah. career. Don't, don't ruin your career. Do it's it. a graveyard. I was actually do kind it. of excited if if Kevin Durant would have gone to the Knicks. Oh my god, that would have been so much fun just from like a third person. <laughs> like I don't have a dog in this fight. That would have been so funny. Like feeding into the sadism, like yeah. aspect of like, the the sadism theme of our previous two fights. <laughs> yeah. Like I love Kevin Durant now, right? Like yeah. I, but obviously as a fan, that's that's seen him like act all weird to the fans. Mm-hmm. I would have personally loved to see him go to the Knicks. Pull like a uh, Carmelo Anthony, get a four seed one time, come in yeah. top five MVP voting, and yeah. then get trashed by Dolan's stinky garbage aura. And then the for the of rest career. of time, Knicks fans are just like, I love that dude. He gave us that one year where we were a four seed. We made the second round. That was the best year of my life, bro. I think that, I think there's like a campaign to retire Melo's Knicks jersey, <laughs> which is like, oh my God, man. Dude, really? the bar is so low. Really? Oh, no. Um, uh, but yeah, so Giannis, you know, if I would like to see him stay in, 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 in Milwaukee, I haven't heard like, because there are so many rumors of like, he could go to LA, he could go to Miami, he could go, he, there's been a thousand rumors about where, what Giannis, he could go to the Warriors. Like, what well, did you hear so the ma- rumor? Uh, the, the, the report about his dinner, um, his dinner meeting with the owner. No, really? They were in a dinner meeting for three hours. Ooh. I don't know about you. I have never had a three-hour conversation or a three-hour dinner that has gone well. Yeah. Or that hasn't had, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. momentous import for, like, a future big yeah. part of my life. Or so, that ended at, like, two in the morning and dinner became a whole night. Yeah. Exactly. So unless, like, they just had, like, a lot of fun and, like, it, the night got away from them, mm. you have to worry and think about what's going to happen. Or yeah. uh, if Milwaukee has a big move planned, what, what do you think that they do? Well, so if I was uh, to that point thinking about Miami trading for Giannis, that would they'd have if they're going to trade for him this year before Giannis becomes a free agent, they'd have to give up some assets, which is kind of against what they've been about for Culture. a long time. Yeah. yeah. They just they I think they would kind of say, uh, we'll just wait till you're a free agent. If you want to come here, you can come here. We're not giving up 
five first round picks and you know throwing the rest of our the this decade away for you sure but if i could if i were the bucks and i could if you could just like put a team together i don't know i mean i think that the minnesota players that carl anthony towns probably needs to get shipped off somewhere i think that ship is sailed. they need to get they need to get something for him it's not gonna work um, do you think? Do you think that the rumors about like uh, um, a millennial trifecta of D'Angelo, um, oh, Devin Booker, and Devin Cat Bo- and are Carl true? Anthony Towns? Yeah, yeah. Do you think that? I don't know. True? I I totally believe. I one hundred percent believe that at some point they had the conversation and they were like, "Dude, we should play together." And I don't know if they like <laughs> specified like two thousand twenty one. We're all going to become free agents and we're all going to go play here, or like two thousand thirty. We're going to ask for trades and we're going to end up there. I totally think that they want to play together. And honestly, thinking about it, if they all played together, Devin Booker, the the Bubble Suns, probably the the big story from the bubble, the Suns were just awesome, and Devin Booker's a real a, a gamer. D'Angelo Russell became a great player uh, after he, the Lakers made me. I never liked D'Angelo Russell on the Lakers. I was like, boo, D'Angelo Russell. I loved him great. in the same way that I loved Nick Young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like that guy's confident, and I appreciate that. I hope yeah. he's not the best player on my team. Yep, but then he um, was, and he was actually really good for you. Oh my God, I D'Angelo Russell is now my hero. For me, he's one <laughs> of the, for me, um, this might be setting the bar low. I want his jersey retired. Um, <laughs> I want his a, number one. It's a little. Well, I guess if he's like the one player this decade that gets a jersey retired, that'd be fair. Well, and I think he's he's the he was the catalyst for all of our success. Now, sure, we he don't. Could, if he had gone there and sh- and sucked and like totally stunk it up, oh, that would have. Would have that been was, bad. you know, that was our equivalent of the great experiment. Can we pick up the scrap heap that is D'Angelo Russell's young career? Yeah, ruined by Iggy Azalea and Nick Young, <laughs> yeah. and make lemonade out of lemons. Yep. And uh, he suddenly became one of the most respected players in the league after all that. And outside of like Brooke Lopez being like this historical Nets great for, you know, sticking with us for this long, you know. Yeah. I love him too, but obviously, you know, the kids identify more with the guards, you know, it's a three-point shooting league, you know, even yeah. Brooke is starting to shoot like bombs out from the uh from the arc. Mm. So, for the culture, D'Lo has been the greatest net so far of the 2010s. Culture-wise. That's fair. I mean, I think that's, you know, almost, not to be mean, but like by default, I think that's true because the Nets haven't been very good and he was great. Yeah. Um, but thinking about Giannis too for the Bucks, I'm like, I'm just trying to think of who, like, I suck at thinking of trades. Um, but it seems like every year there's at least one player who, at least I never thought, oh my gosh, that guy wants to get traded. Um, who comes out and says he wants to get traded. I mean, that could be... I don't think Damian Lillard will ever ask to get traded, but CJ McCollum might want to go somewhere or Portland might want to get rid of him. Uh, you know, the idea of the Bradley Beal thing actually yeah. makes me think of like a Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe package mm. uh, to Washington. So yeah, because you you'd have to get... Because Giannis is so good inside, you'd have to get some kind of shooting. You need space, yeah. Yeah, and there's tons of shooters out there, so you could just kind of take a pick. But And honestly, you know... Milwaukee's in the place where, like, if they lose Giannis after this year, they're screwed. So they're okay. I they should be okay with giving up a couple first rounders because, like, what's a first round pick in twenty twenty one gonna do you after you lose Giannis Antetokounmpo? Like, exactly. Not and really the same. These next like couple of rookie classes, from what I've like read and researched, are mm-hmm. not great. Yeah, I don't even know. Like James Wiseman, I guess is the like number one guy in this draft and the 
Dayton player. I don't even know who they are. I I, I think uh, what was it? The fact that Lamelo Ball is getting attention uh, <laughs> yeah. tells me a lot about the talent pool. Yeah. Um. But so yeah, I think I like I I very heavily agree with you. I'm glad that you. I was actually trying to bait you into um pulling for Giannis onto the Miami Heat. like, all right, there goes all the chemistry. There goes all the spacing. <laughs> We're killing y'all. Um, Not happening. I'm ready uh, for it. I was I was about to say I was I was really prepared. Um, but so, yeah, I, you know, I really do believe in our Nets this season. Um, I don't know about stinky Nets magic. Pat Riley's on my, um, list of people that have made, uh, devil Faust deals, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. in the same vein as like the Nick Sabins is and the Urban Myers is, sure. um, of the world. Maybe at this point, um, the Greg Popovich is of the world. Mm. Um, there, I think they're a step below them. The, the pops and the Riley's kind of like. We flirt with the devil, but we never took him out to dinner. I don't know. Has 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 Pat Riley ever killed never... somebody? Maybe he might have. That's my thing. <laughs> like he, like maybe not directly, but there's definitely been a scene in his life where his wife sees him talking with some close friends, and then they close the door on her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then he's just, and then she's like, "Where'd Giuseppe go?" And he's just like, yeah. Giuseppe, he's not coming around." He's anymore. like, he's he's out on the lake. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so for me. Barring some sort of act of magic, mm. which is entirely in play if Patrick if Patrick Riley is involved, mm. um, I do think that talent wise, the Nets simply overwhelm Miami. Do you think Jimmy Butler is a top ten player this this upcoming season? Because I think he's he played did? into it. I'd have to look at the list. I don't know who exactly I would bump off, but like I think that for what when you say top ten player, I think it like signifies something. It signifies that, like, that, yeah, this guy is one of the best players in the NBA. And I think you have to put Jimmy Butler on there, at least for now. He might play his way out of it, but I think, yeah, I think I'd put him on there. Preseason rankings, right? Like, I yeah. think that, like, a couple players can be bumped off. Um, I know, like, Russell Westbrook has been teetering on the edge. Um, yeah, it would be guys like that, right? Like, yeah, the, the Paul Georges is, the yep. Joel Embiid's is, is. Sure. Like, they're sort of, like, ephemeral. They disappear into nothing. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I, I do agree that, like, the Nets, talent-wise, just looking at the raw talent, if you just, like, built them in 2K, they're, they're, they're a better team than the Miami Heat. But I do think that the basketball side of it, again, the culture part, the Spursian part, where it's, like, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, Boris Diaw, that kind of thing, and then they wipe out the, you know, the Miami Heat with LeBron James... I think that there's a possibility for that with Miami, with Miami, but if it works between Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, it's pretty much game over. That'll that'll boil my point about Kenny Atkinson. The last thing that I'll address, um, I remembered watching a game in Philly, mm-hmm. uh, and that was without Kyrie. Right? For whatever reason, Kenny Atkinson's rotations were garbage. Um, <laughs> Tory and Prince, I think, shot like two for twelve or something from three that night. Yeah, and Kenny Atkinson kept him in for like half an hour. Mm. Like, and 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 there were options. There were options for him. Wilson Chandler didn't play more than like ten minutes. Jared Allen couldn't stop Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. um, but he still kept him in for like another twenty twenty five minutes. So I think at some point Kenny Atkinson was a great player development guy, mm. culture guy. Yeah, culture guy. Without him. Um, I think that the real credit of the Nets goes truly to Sean Marks. Oh, yeah. He's still there. Yeah. He's still there. The Nets trainers are still there. And then now you bring in a trainer and uh, the Nets building that sort of 
brand equity with their players. Mm-hmm. I do think that our culture now, because of the two crazy people that we brought on, yeah. has now weirdly become underrated mm. um, because of their personality. That might be right. That might be it. Yeah, it might be that you know you had to build the culture to bring them in and so that they know what they're signing up for. But now it's time to X's and O's. Now it's time to go out and play. And, you know, if it works, the Nets are going to be, the Nets are definitely going to be, the East is actually better than I think, but the Nets are going to be one of the best teams in the NBA if it works between those two. Yeah, no. Um, so I, the East really is good, isn't it? I this- keep thinking about it. I'm like, Miami's good. Boston's good. Toronto's good. You know, Brooklyn's going to be good. Um, but like, I do think weirdly enough, the East isn't a place for superstars as much anymore. Mm. Right. Like it's like, it, it's become like the high school for like the West's college basketball. <laughs> yeah. Grow like they up graduate- in the East and then mm-hmm. go to the West. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's become a hot, just like a uh, prep ball to the pros. It's become a hotbed for coaching, I think. Mm. So yeah, in, in, in any case, listeners add in sound off who you think would, uh, survive in the Eastern conference finals between the Miami heat. And the New Jersey Nets will put up those starting fives and their rosters on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Um, also sound off on whose uh, City Edition jersey you like better. The Nets are releasing their tie-dye uh, jerseys this season. And that is my last point to them winning a championship. I was about to say, uh, it seems like you're kind of tilting that in, the, in their favor a little bit just by bringing that up. Oh, oh no. I um, am wildly biased. Uh, <laughs> this, yeah. is a, this is a wildly emotional segment for me. Um, but so, yeah, uh, we'll leave it up to our listeners. We'll, we'll leave it up to a vote and a poll. Sound off on who you think won today's, uh, title fight and the undercards. Uh, hey, listen, Clayton, it was great talking to you, man. Yeah, thank you. It was awesome talking to you. I love this kind of stuff. You're great at this. I loved listening to the show. You guys, I love the idea of it. It's so much fun, like, to be silly with it. Like, there's so many sports shows where it's just like, Skip and Shannon, Max and Stephen A, where they're just yelling about like super serious sports stuff. Have some more fun with it, you know. Get a little silly. There's a lot of stuff to talk about, and that's what people, you know, be create being creative with it. So I loved it. I think it's awesome. I think you guys are both great, and uh, it was a lot of fun to come on. Thank you, man. Well, so uh, this has been episode seven of Grudge Match uh, with our honored guest host uh, Clayton Crowley. Uh, Clayton, go ahead, uh, finish off. Tell the people a little bit about what's going on in your life. There is, um, I make I make YouTube videos. I have it's just Clayton Crowley on YouTube. I made a series called Making the Case, um, where I, like I said, I look at eight players and I made the case for all of them as the best of all time, as the greatest basketball player of all time individually. And then I've made some other stuff. I just finished up that series about a month ago, so I'm working into some other stuff and working on some other series in the meantime. And uh, hopefully, it'll you know we'll keep going and it'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. We'd love to have you on again if we have another set of basketball topics. Yeah. Totally, totally, absolutely. Sounds great, man.